Kuan Yin Dharmas. Um, so that'll be a 10-day period uh, starting tomorrow night where uh, a classic blending of uh, devotional practice where one's uh, holding the name for five days, a certain practice of cultivating uh, blessings and entryway into Dharma, which is uh, quite powerful, not that known in the West, not that used in the West of having one name, one phrase return. It's a mantra practice. And then, uh, and then five days followed by uh, what's called Chan, or the, the essential uh, core of the Kuan Yin Dharmas, which is, is turning the mind right back to the deathless, turning the mind to that which is not born and not dying. What in the Theravada practices we, we were uh, calling, uh, you know, turning the mind to the deathless, turning the mind to that which remains, that which is always here and now. So tomorrow night, that's a, well, the beginning of a 10-day period where we'll uh, focus on that. And, and we will be uh, weaving it, uh, reflecting on how those practices are not apart from what we've done so far. But they're a, a continuation, an interweaving, uh, hopefully just a deepening of those practices. Um, so today we'll have an opportunity to integrate some of what we've already done. And uh, uh, tonight, uh, Tanisha and I have a a call that we, we have to make um, uh, with an online Dharma call, so, so we can't uh, be at the first part of the meeting, so if, uh, you know, y'all could just have your first sitting, 7 to 7.45, maybe 7.15 to 8, maybe Jennifer, you could uh, uh, ring the bell, that would be great, and then, then we'll come by uh, down and join everyone. Then tomorrow morning we'll have an opportunity for any discussion, any questions about what we've done so far as we're, we're preparing to, to uh, move into this next section of the retreat tomorrow night. But today I'd like to talk uh, about an important principle of practice which could be called agility um, or tuning, tuning. It's the, as our practice matures, it's not rigid, it responds to what's going on. Uh, remember this morning we, <coughs> as Tanisra was reflecting on the Sangyojana, what the Buddha called the fetters, those principles which which bind us and keep us from knowing the unbinding. Another translation of Nibbana is unbinding. When we're bound to, identified with a condition in that instant, that's, remember last night, the causes Ajahn Chah was talking about, that's the cause for birth. We leaned on something, depending on something, attached to something. Then as that condition changes, there's the whole sense of the world wavering. 
our being wavering. And, and that's what's called aging or sickness or the dying. And, and then as, that, as that's frustrating, there's the streaming out of becoming of, a, of the heart to, to find stability in health. But, but so when there's a, a connections to conditions, when conditions change, there's a sense of, of birth and death. That recognition is the beginning of insight. And the reflection on the nature of what it is that we're identifying with, claiming, or even rejecting and fighting, the recognition using wisdom, the changing nature starts to undermine and lead to the fading, the viraga, the, the relinquishing. Because uh, we, once we realize something's really ungraspable and changing, it, it naturally there's, oh, well, why am I exhausting myself? So another word for nibbana is, another translation is unbinding. Because as one lets go of this compulsive grasping, thinking there's somewhere to get something to own or something to get rid of, is there's the relinquishment, there's the noticing of what's already here, the peacefulness, the brightness. So in the in this first uh, Reflection on what blocks us from tasting nibbana. Tanisha was talking about the first three um, fetters that all have to do with the cognitive, the thinking, our relationship to thought. Views are rigid. Rigid view. That this is. Yes, we have to get perspective on perception. That's very subtle, very flickering. But when a bunch of perceptions are woven together into something that's more rigid, as a, as a fixed view, so-and-so's an idiot. They're that way. You know, when we write off a whole group, we write off a whole family, we write off a whole party, write off someone because of their color, because of it's a view, it's a certain views about ourselves, views about others, views about practice. You've got to do it this way. It's originally view. No, no, no. I have to. I, I, when our practice is very bound by views, it's not agile. It's not flexible. It's not so responding to what is going on. It's very rigid. Naturally, our practice begins by doing things a certain way. That's how we get some experience. That's how we, you know, so it's good to stay with things, to just be with the breathing or to count or to uh, have our, our certain phrases. That's a, it's, it's very, our way of practicing where we get an experience that's natural. But then uh, there's a certain limitation on our practice if we, if we, if we just have a fixed view about this is how it's got to be. So that to get a feeling for agility, um, this is the way Ajahn Chah would talk. He would say, when the obstacles come high, you duck. 
when the obstacles come low, you jump. <laughs> you know, to get a feeling for being in touch with the moment and then having the intuitive capacity to, rather than just having to keep doing it the same way, polishing that brick, hoping to get a mirror. We might be making great effort, but if we're polishing a brick, we're not going to get a mirror. And so uh, there's something about our practice being able to tune in to what's happening and respond. Respond to that. So we we've had a lot of skillful means that we've covered in this first part of our retreat, which are all part of Dharma. They're, they're tools, they're practices, they're skillful means. And you know, in time, our, our practice becomes more of a dance, becomes more of a, a, a listening into how we are and, and sensing what we want to do, what we want to focus on. There are no really fixed rules. In some, you know, traditions, and they can be useful for a while. They can be very helpful. You're told exactly what to do all the time. You do this, and do this, and then you do this. And and that uh, is nice. It tells us what to do. It keeps us going. But the, the difficulty with always having something tell you exactly what to do is that one tends never to come to terms with doubt. Something comes up, you do this. Something comes up, you do this. You, you, you're, you're, you're busy, sila bhatta bharamasa, you're busy attaching to this, this framework. And it's not that it's bad, but then one doesn't get to see sometimes that uh, formation that, hmm, I'm not really sure, I mean, should I do that? Should you can just knock that doubt out and say, no, do this. But at some point, and this is another very important part of entering the stream. At some point it's useful to get thought into perspective, to learn to be at ease with confident thoughts and doubting thoughts. No, but should I do this practice or that practice, and did I do it well enough, and I'm not sure, does I really do the Anapanasati, and the calming, and and using the mantra and then going to acquire, and then now there's kindness, and emptiness, sharing of blessings, not to mention joy and equanimity, not really sure. And sometimes, you know, we can just knock things away and do something, and it might be a skillful practice, but sometimes it's also useful just to realize, well, If the Dhamma is always here and now, can I be with the perfection of things, even with, with this uncertain state, this doubting state, just to touch it lightly, no doubt. Oh, but, but you're not... I wonder what I should do now. It's not that it's not useful to get somebody else's opinion, but if one doesn't get in perspective, hmm, I'm not sure what I should do now and maybe should I stay, should I go, should I and to really learn to doubt. What really blocks us from entering the stream, this is an important point. 
when we're really still bound to the cognitive faculty, the thinking faculty, we really take our stand on confident thoughts. should be this way. Look at them sitting on the stool over there. They'll never... You've got to sit in the lotus to... Some people have that view. Or look at so-and-so, they didn't bow. Or look at so-and-so, they did bow. Look at them bowing, rites and rituals. But these views, these confident, and, and then when we, that, that flowers into a fundamentalism sometimes. It's got to be this way, and this is the right ones, and those are the, the bad ones, the lost causes. And yes, confident thoughts are, are useful, but to, to get that in perspective, to hold it lightly, to realize that thoughts are thoughts, views are views, they come, they go. <clears throat> if, we, if we have to have our certainties, then we're very uncomfortable with other things and we, 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 we control that. So then if we get quite weak and doubts are sick and doubts kind of come into our mind, we feel really lost and overwhelmed really useful to be able to to know a doubt. And so even though the you still might not have an answer, we still might not have an answer if one is knowing the doubt, should I stay, should I go, should I do it this way, should I do it that way? By knowing the doubt, you're still abiding in sadha, a faith, a trust, a knowingness, the refuge. There's knowing the doubt. Views come, views go. One can use rites and rituals, use things that help one, but they're, they're in perspective. This tuning principle the Buddha touched on it here this course in the Anguttara and Nikaya <coughs> where the Buddha was having interaction with the Venerable Sona. As Venerable Sona was meditating in seclusion, after doing walking meditation until the skin of his souls was split and bleeding, this train of thought arose in his awareness, Venerable Sona. Of the Blessed One's disciples who've aroused energy and persistence, I am one, but my mind is not released from the outflows. It's a word for those things that carry us away. My mind is not released from the outflows through the ending of clinging. Now, my family has enough wealth that it would be possible to enjoy wealth and make merit. What if I was to let go of the training, the monastic training, and return to the worldly life to enjoy wealth and, and make merit? In other words, he's thinking, next lifetime. <laughs> then the Blessed One, the Buddha, as soon as he perceived with his awareness the train of thought in Venerable Sona's awareness, as a strong man might extend his flexed arm 
or flex his extended arm, he disappeared from where he was at Vulture Peak and appeared in the cool wood right in front of Venerable Sana. He sat down. And as he was sitting, the Blessed One said to Sana, just now as you were meditating, didn't this train of thought appear in your awareness? That whole thought about I have of the Buddha's disciples, I have persistence, I have energy, but my mind is not released. What if I were to let go of the training, return to the worldly, the daily life, and, and make enjoy wealth and make merit? And Sona said, yes, Lord. And the Buddha said, now what do you think, Sona, before when you were a householder, a lay person, were you skilled at playing the vina, that we're told is some sort of stringed instrument? Yes, Lord. And when the strings of your vina were too taut, was your instrument in tune and playable? No, Lord. And when the strings of your vina were too loose, was your vena in tune and playable? No, Lord. And when the strings of your vena were neither too taut nor too loose, but tuned to the right, to be right on pitch, was your vena, your instrument, in tune and playable? Yes, Lord. In the same way, over-aroused effort leads to restlessness. Overly slack effort and persistence leads to laziness. Thus you should determine the right pitch for your effort. Attune. Seek it out. And tune the faculties of your being. And pick up your theme there. Your theme, your meditation topic. Anyway, when... when Sona did what the Buddha suggested in time. He was able to fulfill the holy life and be freed, free from suffering. Here the tuning is around effort, but, but we're, this is a teaching about the, the way all our practices flow into one another. Remembering there's this awareness. That's the instrument. The instrument. This, in, this awareness can be focused, which is the almost like our ground practice, our fundamental ongoing practice is training ourselves to attend to, to stay connected to present moment. Noticing our posture sitting, in other words, the foundation of mindfulness of the body, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. Learning to, to train vitaka, vichara, a thought. And this is where effort does come in. A thought can help bring us back. Like here, now, in, out, what's happening now. 
guitar, that, that receiving, training ourselves to make that effort to receive and stabilize ourselves, learning how to relax, learning how to encourage the heart to, rather than run away, to be filled with, to receive this moment, even if it's not easy to be with. But it's a tuning. Sometimes I, the mind just gets really, really uh, rebellious. And if the mind is really throwing up a lot of extreme restlessness or extreme, um, just however we sense into our being, extreme aversion or something, sometimes we just, you know, really just keep hammering away to try to do something. Is not really tuning in. We can then tune in. Notice this struggle, this aversion. As we sense that, then, then, then there can be uh, you know, obstacles, high duck, low jump. We notice this aversion, very important to give space. The mind, the heart doesn't like to be bullied. Kindness. Sometimes even just saying, uh, oh, welcome, didn't see you. <laughs> so cold and damp. I can't believe it. I can't believe I fell for that one. Sit here for a month, world's on fire. Get you out there doing something. And <laughs> To just be kind, listen, place at the table. There's still mindfulness. It's still useful to keep body around, but rather than trying to force, get back to the breath, I told you, I mean, tell you, dot, pinpoint it, like I care. You know, the mind goes on. Just kindly receiving, like grumble, grump, spiky, depressed, whatever it is. Sometimes just that, blessing that. can be attuning. And the irony is that the more we're, you know, it's fine, it's heard. Sometimes even that's enough, being heard. When Mr. Mandela was talking when he was 10, he was, uh, sent to, to live with a regent, uh, part of his royal family in, his, in the Timbu tribe or clan. And he learned so much from the regent who, who sort of brought him up and he, he was raised in this royal household. And his, um, the regent, who I forget his name, who brought him up, uh, Mandela learned a lot about leadership just from watching. When they had these big meetings, his uh, that family member called the regent would wouldn't say anything. He'd let everybody else talk, but everybody was heard. He'd really hear everybody. It was very very and, and uh, Mandela learned about that leading from behind. And, and, and that sometimes just the fact that everybody was heard could, could, could be really huge. And then he would sum things up and, you know, they, they, there was this profound 
way of having unanimity but through hearing everybody. So sometimes our practice is why the metta we've given some time. Sometimes, you know, there's parts of ourselves that are not being heard, that just keep kicked out, put out on the other one, projected. And that's why sometimes if we're too busy thinking, don't bother me, I'm getting I'm deepening my jhana. So we keep knocking things aside. And so sometimes if we do check, how is it now? It's a very profound question. How am I now? How is it now? And so sometimes, you know, we, we would like to say, no, no, I want to be doing this, 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 and this. I've got my whole plan for our enlightenment agenda. And sometimes when we tune in, uh, it's not necessarily going to go according to a plan. But maybe some part of us just needs to be heard. And sometimes that can be, be enough. Still might be coming and going, some doubt, some grumpiness, but it's not being empowered through being dismissed, through being believed or rejected. Or sometimes we really notice this, this fatigue. And you can really give attention rather than trying to crush through it too fast. Sometimes our intuition will say, no, let me feel into that. Where is that? Hmm. And the tuning can be more interest in the in-breath, the inspiration, the light, or the agitation. We notice that, you know, we, we've got too much going on, too many things to figure out. Sometimes as we tune in, there's the sense of realizing the simplification is, it will be very helpful. Not pushing anything away through aversion, but just realizing one step at a time. One in-breath and an out-breath and taking all thoughts and letting one thought, buddha you know, realizing that we're too tired, too scattered to go into anything too deeply, but just to simplify, gather. So it's learning to kind of trust what uh, what our what we need. Like yesterday, I had to go do. I've had this eye condition for years and years and years, and there's a new technology that this country has developed some a kind of a larger contact that would allow me to see better with this deterioration of the cornea that I have. So I needed to drive to quite a distance. And there was a big truck went off the road and traffic was stopped for a long uh, period of time and just being patient and then it was backing up, people were getting frustrated and a person with a machine gun showed up to keep the peace. <laughs> and he looked like he would use it too. And the taxi drivers getting upset when anything started to move, they would go ahead quickly to try to get in and it just was, anyway, made it, made it back. But by the time I got back last night, uh, the sitting was just so good to just sit in the sitting part and rather than do this or do that as I felt in the, the joy of having permission just to be with sensation. Breathing in, 
breathing out, just to, from, from a day at which the attention needed in terms of staying on the road, doing all the stuff one needed, realizing how, you know, this, all that multi, what's the word for Multiplicity. Multiplicity, you know, I wanted singularity. I wanted, this was wonderful. So we have a chance to, today, and there'll be some discussion and tonight and discussion to my morning if there's any questions about practice, but to get the feeling for the agility of our practice, the tuning of our practice, more effort, less effort, focusing, inquiring, letting go, welcoming. Remember the yoga of the heart is not just the Buddha didn't just teach the one-fold path, sit. Or he didn't just teach you know, let go. You know, that's frozen if it just let go. Oh yeah, Kitty Shaw, he, he let go about four years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he hadn't moved. <laughs> no, I think he's all right. <laughs> I don't know. We're just calling it enlightenment. It's a little bit like a doorknob. <laughs> but you know, let, you know, let go. <laughs> let go. Hold, you know, we, we hold some things, uh, you know, suffering sometimes it's really important just to open to and be with. You're too quickly to let go, then we pretend we're not suffering. <laughs> not suffering. You know, <laughs> you know, some things need to be open to. Yes, there's a letting go, it's a powerful part of the practice. But if there's a version, a powerful part of the practice is welcoming. Now that can be confusing sometimes. Sometimes the heart does really get, oh golly, this is how do I know when you how do I know when you do this or how do I know when you do that? And then and not to diminish the power also even of just that much sometimes being able to give the mind the chance to doubt and just so you can know it. Remember this is key. The stream enterer the, the Arya, the noble-hearted one who's entered the stream and knows Nibbana still hadn't even weakened desire and aversion. So yes, we keep working on desire and aversion, yes. But you know, a stream enter can still get knocked over by lust or knocked over by aversion, but they'll be honest and they'll come back. But why I'm saying this is don't get too, we shouldn't get too upset if, oh, because I'm still averse, oh, so I still want things. An easier thing, a more fundamental thing that's very important that we keep getting in perspective is our thoughts, this cognitive, cognitive framework, which is the, the, the first level that by getting it in perspective, what I mean by perspective, noticing, views are coming and going. It should be this way, it's coming and going. That, 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 that is, let's don't overlook that and get so focused on, oh, I still have desire, I still have aversion. And meanwhile, we're, we're assuming that I'm someone with this problem. I'm someone with this problem, that problem, therefore, that's called a, a view. So, so sometimes even if there's just doubts or something like that, even just being able to notice, ah, doubts, and practice being at ease with a doubt. 
wanting an answer, just knowing down, resting in the knowing, and just know it's still cooking. The bread hasn't been cooked yet. Sometimes it's not time yet for an answer. Just knowing the Tao. Sometimes it doesn't matter so much what we do. We can, well, I'll just be with the breathing in a gentle way and, and just observe what, what comes up so that we're just trusting the nature of things as, as we're revealing itself. Not being so excited about, I've got to do it this way, I've got to do it that way. I'm sorry for if it, if it, if it sounds more vague, but this is, I feel, an important, you know, there, there are some traditions that, that just tell you, no, 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 you should do it this way, do it this way, and every moment you have it all worked out. That's okay for developing some samadhi, but then one still never gets through those territories as so easily that help one enter the stream, because one is not really reflecting on doubt. So that's why this trusting ourselves to tune to, to, to listen in and, and then respond to how it is now. Tightening the string, loosening the string, focusing, or sometimes realizing it's all too narrow, needing more just to, to relax and let things widen. Whatever is happening, whether it's doubt, whether it's like sauna and I'm feet are bleeding or a metaphorical feet, I'm just worn out and I think I should go to the beach. It's too cold up here and I'm not good with altitude, you know. Whether it's that kind of mood, just remember that the sacred really keep encouraging ourselves that the, the sacred core is always here and now. So whatever state it is. And as Ajahn Chah was, was saying, rather than really believing it's really somewhere else, whatever the state is, reminding ourselves that, you know, the Dhamma is here. Even a sunrise or a cold mist or a pain in the back can help us awaken to the way things are. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.